turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19 this morning. Uh, we are uh, going to continue on in our study of the book of Matthew, and we come to a passage you may be familiar with. It's some, one that's common, uh, not just in the idea of it, but in the p- particulars of it as well. Um, we look at our, our world today, and there's a question that everyone should be asking that some are and some aren't. It's not a question uh, that really has much to do with your situation in life, but it has to do with the condition of man and really what happens in the future for man. For man. And it's the question of am I eternally secure? What happens after this life? What happens to me and my person uh, after this life is done? I realize that none of us know when our life will be done. We realize that uh, some of us say, well, I, I'm young. I'm young. Some of you think you're young here this morning. Uh, and, and you say, well, I've got a long time. And I, I would say that may or may not be true. And then there are some of you who are uh, in that middle range and you start to feel the, the signs of aging and you realize that it's coming, uh, that, that uh, you know, you you look at your husband or your wife and you say, boy, we're getting old. Uh, we're getting old. And then uh, some of you look at your husband or wife and you say, we have arrived. We have arrived. And uh, uh, we realize that life is, doesn't go on forever, at least life down here. And so we want to know what comes next. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, this is a question for everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter if uh, you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're Mexican or if you're German. It doesn't matter if you're uh, young or old. It is something for us to understand. What is that next step? What is that next thing? Uh, Do I have eternal security? Am I confident of where I'm going after this life? And this is uh, the topic of what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 19. Um, And some have called this the the story or the uh, conversation with Jesus and, and the rich young ruler. Verse 16 says this, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you'll have have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, 
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would teach us now as we look at it. Stir our hearts, change us into the people you want us to be. Cause us and, and bring us to the place where we are followers of Jesus. God, do your work in us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we really have uh, a three groups or interactions right here. We, we have three people or uh, two people in one group. The, the first one is a man, is a man. We, we don't know much about this man. In fact, uh, in Matthew's account, it just says the one, the one came. Uh, not much about him. It tells us a few things uh, later on in the dialogue that he was a young man, a young man. Uh, a man, but a young man, probably somewhere between 20 and 40 years old, uh, depending on really how old he was and how they used that word. So he was a young man. He was full of life. Uh, young men uh, want to take on the world. They, they want to think new things and, and grow and maybe even conquerors to some degree. So he was a young man. Uh, Luke tells us uh, in Luke's account in chapter 18 that he was a ruler uh, the idea of being uh, over people and maybe even in the synagogue. So he was a young man, uh, some kind of position, uh, maybe even in the synagogue. And then uh, it tells us also in this passage that he was one of great possessions, great possessions. He had a lot of stuff. Um, many of us can relate to him this morning, having a lot of stuff. Um, we're building bigger barns and filling our garages so our cars cannot fit in them. You know who you are. I'm with you. I'm with you. This man was probably seeking one more thing. One more thing. How much was enough? Just a little bit more, right? Just that one. He was missing something. And then you have Jesus. Uh, he was the Savior of the world. He was the one that was the king of kings. He was the one who was doing miracles. He was the one who was doing amazing sorts of things that was drawing people to himself. He was Emmanuel, God with us, the word that became flesh and was dwelling among his people. This is who Jesus was. And then you have Jesus' disciples, uh, ones who had already uh, followed the call to come and follow him. They were trying to sort it all out. As Jesus would speak, they would kind of stand back and they would uh, try to digest what he was saying and they would talk amongst themselves and then they would go and they'd talk some more. And the disciples were always learning. In fact, that was where the word disciple came from. It's this idea of learner. That's what they were. That's what they did with Jesus. So you have Jesus, you have this man, you have the disciples. And this morning, you have you as well. So really, it's Jesus, the man, and you as you think through this passage. 
As we look at this, we get four questions in this passage, four questions for Jesus. And we'll just kind of use that as our framework this morning as we consider uh, how we go about looking at Jesus' teaching. As you look at the passage, uh, you see the, this man comes, and he comes with a question. Uh, Jesus just talked about and shown that the little ones, the, the children were supposed to come to him, and they were an example of what it's like to come to Jesus. And then you see this man coming, and he comes to Jesus with a particular question. He says this, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Fascinating. Just a fascinating question. This man, who's a young man, uh, probably doesn't have any health problems. He doesn't care about his health insurance. Don't you love, you know, won't you love to be in that phase of life where you didn't care about your, because it didn't matter because you weren't sick. You're a young man. The whole world is in front of you. And it's not just that uh, your health is okay, you're young, your life is all in front of you, but that you've accomplished something. You've accomplished something. You have become a ruler. You've become a man of position. Not just that, you've got a bunch of stuff. Got a bunch of stuff. You know, do you remember uh, for some of you when you were first married? Uh, you had your aunt and uncle's old couch. You had your grandma's table. Uh, you had your parents' car. Like, you, you, you just collected these possessions. And the only reason you got them is because they didn't want them anymore. Right? You know, you didn't want them anymore. And uh, you, you look at those things and you say, I, I'm just trying to patch together life, but you're always dreaming. You, you know, the, the greatest possessions that, that young people have are catalogs. <laughs> They're circling, uh, <laughs> when I get real big, you know, I'll be able to buy this chair. You know, uh, big dreams. This young man had it already. He had those possessions. He had those things. And he comes to Jesus and he asks a question about something he doesn't have yet. He knows there's something missing. He says there's this piece of the puzzle that I don't have. And he, he's looking. It's interesting that a young man looking towards the future. Not just the future of retirement, but the future of what happens after this life. And he connects it with a good deed that he must do. He figures, he figures that there's something he hasn't done yet that would get him this position in, in eternal life. There's a class I haven't taken. There's a degree I haven't gotten. There's the amount of money that I haven't secured. What must I do? What is the deed that needs to be done? Because I know that I have not attained it yet. It's interesting. It, what struck me about this passage as I've been thinking about it this week is that sometimes we look at the uh, rich young ruler, as it's called, and, and I realize there's much in the end to say, oh, he blew it. But I want to say this, that at least he was thinking about eternal life. Um, so some of us here this morning may not be at that place yet. We're not thinking about eternal life. We're just worried about, you know, the things of this life. 
We're, we're seeking to gain the possessions. We're seeking to get what we want. It's interesting. This isn't necessarily about money this morning. It's about possessions and what they do to us. And so this man, he, he wants to know about eternal life. He, wants, he knows he needs it. And so he, he comes to Jesus. What a great place to come. To go to Jesus, the great teacher. Jesus questions his response. And he, I say he questions. He, this is what Jesus does many times. He asks a question. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And he questions a couple of things in asking this question. He asks, do you even know what good is? Do you, do you even understand your question? You talk about goodness of deeds and, and it, parallel passages he realizes that he was even called the good teacher which was different they never called anyone the good teacher because that would somehow connect them to god and so as he came he says good teacher and good deeds and jesus says what do you know about good and 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 the the man probably stood there going well um yeah i don't know (laughs) You see, God was the only one who was good, and His commandments that He had given them were good as well. What, what He had placed before them already was good. And the rich young ruler already knew these commandments. He already knew what it was said. And so we look at this passage and we see His interaction. And Jesus says this, as, as He gets to what this man needs to know, He says this, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And basically saying, do what has already been said. Do what has already been said. So which brings him to question number two. Which ones? Which ones? Uh, he, uh, he's still pressing. Do you, do you understand? And, and you, I hope you see this in this passage. that He asks one question. And then he follows it up with another question because he knows that he hasn't arrived, but he also knows that he's done a bunch of things. Which ones? And Jesus responds was, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These commandments, uh, the fifth through the ninth, um, with the fifth coming at the end, uh, after six through nine, he lists them. And then he takes from Leviticus chapter 19, the love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. And he puts these together and he, he gives him a sampling and really he kind of gives the ones that you can really nail down. Do you know that you, when you've murdered someone? Yeah, it's either a yes or no. You know, it's pretty simple dead or alive you know that, that, that's what that was uh, we'll leave it at that okay uh, the, the, the simple ones the black and white ones if you will and then he gets to, towards the end where he steps back and he talks about love as being this umbrella of, of all things as you look at this you see this that the man looks and he considers what Jesus says and I'm sure in some ways his heart leaped. He, he was so excited because he goes, I've already got these. 
I already knew about these. I, I, I've done so. So I, I picture the rich young ruler, his heart leaping, and then going, "Oh, because if I already have these, but I still find myself wanting, then there's something else. I, I'm struggling with what this is." The man's response. As he considered this, he says, all these I have kept. I've done these already. This is what I've already, uh, this has been my life already. So he asks question number three. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? Do you see it? He goes, okay, so I know this. I keep the commandments. Oh, I've done those. I still don't have it. What, what is it that, how do I get eternal life? What is it that I'm still lacking? Jesus' response to this question of what he was still lacking was this. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. If you want to be perfect, take what you have, Take what you have, get rid of it. Not just get rid of it, uh, give it to your brother or your sister, but give it to the poor that have not worked for it. Give it to the poor. And that treasure will be replaced, not with same treasure, but with treasure in heaven. And then he says, and come and follow me. Come and follow me. Um... Many of you been uh, considering our nation this week? Uh, we have some different candidates, some different options for president. Some hate the rich. They hate them. They might be them, but they might hate them as well. And their attitude is uh, kind of a Robin Hood type philosophy. Take from the rich and give to the poor. The rich are the bad people. They don't deserve the wealth they got. So take it away from them and give it to those who have not worked for it. That's one philosophy. And there's variations of that. And then there's other people, other candidates. I won't name them. I don't want to get political here on a Sunday morning. But I heard say something to the effect of, I'm greedy for more. I just want more money. You can figure out who that was. Very wealthy. Very wealthy. And where are we? Where are we? How much money do you have? If you could just raise your hand right now and tell me how much money you have. Some of you say it's a real easy, you know, uh, it's really easy to figure out. I got about $3, you know, $3. Uh, uh, we're somewhere in the middle, right? Most of us aren't poor. Most of us aren't rich. And you say, well, where does this, you know, when you start talking about money, Pastor, I just start freezing up. If I would have known that you were going to talk about it, I wouldn't have come today. Like, I would have got a mysterious sickness. By the way, Pastor Mike, that's not the reason he's here. He's got piles of money out in Cal City and buried in the backyard. He hasn't told Paula about it, though. Uh, 
riches. I mean, they, they, they make us nervous. They, and and what, what's interesting about poverty and riches, um, if you're rich, you can't stand the poor. You can't stand them. Why don't they just get a job and work hard like I did? If you're poor, you can't stand the rich, and you go, oh, I just can't stand them. They have all this money, and they're doing whatever they want. Why don't they give some to me? There's this idea that riches or poverty make us something, make us something, and they don't. They don't. Jesus identifies this man. He knows who this man is. He knows how much money he has. He, he knows his situation. He comes, and he shares, and he says, Add something. Give me something. I need that one more thing. Jesus says, if you really want it, if you really want it, you really want to be that one that's perfect. He says this, take what you love, what you identify in, what you've been pursuing, and let it go. Let it go. And let it go in a permanent sort of way. Let it go. What I think Jesus was doing here was this. He knew the man. He knew what his idol was. He knew the thing that he loved. He knew the thing that he identified in. He probably introduced himself. Hey, I'm a rich guy. You know how much money I have? You know, he, he talked about his exploits. He talked about his business dealings. He talked about his family name. He talked about all these things. And, and he said, I, I, I've gotten all this. I've gotten all this. What, what else can I get? What else can I add to my money? What else can I add to my position? I, I'm young. I've got it all. But what can I add to that that would give me this next thing, this next thing that I so desperately want? And so Jesus says... That thing, your pile of money. And it's not his pile of money, right? Did you get it? It was his possessions, his possessions. Very few people just want money. Most of us want the things that money can get us. And he, he, he gets to it and he says, your possessions, go sell it all. Give to the poor, give to the poor. Those who didn't work for it, those who didn't deserve it, let it go away and come and follow me. He, he, he assures him of this one thing, that the treasure that he would be replaced. So, so he had treasure. He had treasure. He had possessions. They were probably really cool stuff too. I would have liked to have been around when he was giving away all that stuff, right? I would have I liked to have been right behind him and go, okay, you know, we'll just follow over to my house and we'll take that seven, put it in my garage. Uh, he says, get rid of your, get permanently get rid of your possessions. And that treasure that you have will be replaced by another treasure. Another treasure. A treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. He's already gone over this concept in the book of Matthew, hasn't he? Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You look at Matthew chapter 6, and there's this idea that... Uh, Money and possessions can be this idol that stands before us and God and we're clinging to it. And we say, I, I want my money and my stuff, but I also want Jesus. I, I want them both. And I, I'm grabbing for all the things of life and I'm clinging hard to this while stretching out my hand for this. And I think I can get it all. Jesus looks at this man and he says, uh, you don't want to get it all. You want to let it go. You want to let it go. 
And that treasure that you let go of, that will be replaced by treasure in heaven. And I think the most important point of what he shares here is this, is follow me, follow me. This is the same call uh, he gave to his disciples. His disciples were fishermen, and they were, you know, you ever been down to the docks and seen people that were fishing? It's great. You know, to be a fisherman would be great for that to be your job, to get to go out on the sea and then grab the nets. You know, we like to watch that show about Alaskan fishermen up there. That's a great show. It's exciting. You're getting to do things. It's exciting. You pull it in. There's, you look at that. That's great. And you know what he said to the fishermen? Come, follow me. And you know what they did? They left fishing. They left fishing. They left that stuff. You know what? I, I think of Matthew. He's called Levi. He's a tax collector. He had a lot of money, too. A lot of money, too. And it says that immediately, immediately he left that, the tax collecting booth right there, and followed Jesus. This is what he calls. He says, come and follow me. This is the, uh, the, the picture of what it is for us to believe, be believers in Jesus Christ is to let go of whatever has been filling our lives. Let go and come away from your life to now have conformity to my life. That's what Jesus is calling. He said, let go of your life and come and follow me. Have conformity to my life. You'll follow me now. And what, is, what happens with that? You, you know, right? You say, hey, but, but Jesus, I got plans. I got ideas. I got places I want to go, things I want to do. We, we've got our own family ideas. And we would like to uh, bring you into our ideas. So Jesus, you can be a part of our home. You can go where we're going. You can talk like we're talking. And you can be a part of everything we're doing as a family. It'll be great for you, Jesus. You can be a part of our family. You think that's what Jesus is talking about? He is not. He's not. Points to this man and he says, You can come with me. You can come with me. Come follow me. Uh, so, and we've already read the story, right? We, we already heard the ending. But at this point, if this were a, a, a movie, it would be this, this great fork in the road. And, and you... You should see the look on the young man's face where he realizes the worth of Christ and the offer that's before him. And he jumps for joy, runs home, grabs his stuff, considers it trash, gives it to the poor, and he runs to follow Jesus because he understands the worth of Jesus. But there's an alternate ending here. The way the story really goes he asks the third question what do i still lack jesus says take your stuff and come on the road with me but it says this in verse 22 when the young man heard this he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions it must have been really great possessions if he added all up his possessions and in his mind somehow they were greater than Christ 
And he went away sad because he really, really wanted eternal life. But he wanted just a little bit more, whatever those positions were. And we look at the story. We see uh, the, the picture of Christ and we say, oh, that's pathetic. That's a bad move. That's a bad deal. Okay? You chose poorly. And we realize that that's true. He went away sorrowful because he looked at those possessions and he says, I, I, I won't give them up. I won't give them up. What that is, that's another one of the Ten Commandments. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. When your stuff, someone, something comes in between you and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning, this is where you stand. You say, I won't give it up. I won't give it up. And I want to tell you, that's a bad deal for you. It's a bad deal for you. So he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus follows this up. He goes away. He says, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. You say, there's a difference if you're richer for you're poor? Yeah, there's a difference. But if he went to the poor man and he said, poor man, give up all your possessions. He says, I don't have any. The ones I have are hand-me-downs. I didn't want them anyways. I, I don't like the stuff that I have. I don't like the life that I have. To follow you, that sounds like a great deal. We, you know, we eat along the road. You, you provide meals. Places to stay. Everyone loves you. They come in. We, we get great treatment when I'm with you, Jesus. But for the rich man, he's already got life. And so there's this, Jesus follows it up with saying, look, it's difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he gives him an example of this. And he says, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle for, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And you look at this, and some of you are quilters here this morning, and you say, camels don't fit. It's impossible. I remember reading this. My mom was a quilter, and, and like, you know, needle, needles around the house all the time. And she, I remember showing, you know, that thing and trying to get that through. And junior high, I had to do this thing. And it, it's just, I didn't have the patience for it. And you, you, it's hard enough to get a, a thread through the eye of the needle. But a camel? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, no way. Can't happen. So, uh, the disciples, young man is left. The disciples are standing around. They're listening to Jesus. They watch this whole scene. They know the whole conversation. They pick up uh, where the, the young man left off, and they have the fourth question. They say this, who then can be saved? Astonished. They're, they're just beside themselves. They say, who can be saved? And that's a question for us here at Bear Valley Church this morning. To some degree or another, you're either rich, young, or you're a ruler. We're, we're affluent. We're affluent. We're, we're people who have accomplished things. We've gone to school. We've got education. We've got power. We've got smarts. We've got it all. And the question for us this morning should be the question of the disciples. Who can be saved? 
And the, the logical answer that Jesus has already gotten to is that no one can be saved. No one. I, I read it in my notes. It says, no one can be saved. That's the logical conclusion. And you're saying, Pastor, I don't think you mean to say that. You know, no one can be saved. Why? Because camels can't go through the eye of a needle. It, it can't happen. It's impossible. It won't work. The disciples got it. They, they were following the train of thought of Jesus. That there's no way this can happen. That Jesus will not accept anybody on the basis of what they've done, the Ten Commandments, how much they've done this, how much they've given. It just can't happen. There's too many barriers. But Jesus makes this important distinction. As he answers his fourth question, he says, Who then can be saved? He says, with man, this is impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And what I would tell you this morning is this. It's impossible that you had come to know Christ. Your pride, your idols, you love them too much. It's impossible. But the grace of God can touch you where you are. God can do in you what you can't do for yourself. He, he can do in you what no position in life, whether poverty or riches, that can't do it for you. What can do it for you is a work of God in your life that he would change you to draw you to himself and make you his own. Make you his own. And save you and fit you for heaven. So you have Jesus and the man, and I just want to ask you in closing, how about you? How about you? Are, are there idols that you set before Jesus and you say, I would, I would follow after Christ, but I'm scared he's going to take my stuff. Are there th I'm scared he's going to take my, my relationships. You know, it's happened over and over again. I remember having a, a friend, a high school friend, a girl who came to know Christ, made a profession of faith at a camp, I remember uh, losing track of her and, and, and seeing her uh, four or five years later after high school. We bumped into each other at the city college where I was going. I said, hey, it's good to see you, this and that. And she says, yeah, let's get together sometime. Let's talk. I, I'd love to catch up with you. And so we did. And She told me uh, we had pizza lunch, and we. Uh, she told me of her life or difficult life since high school of being in and out of this relationship and that relationship and living here and living there and 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 I remember I remember asking her I said you know what I, I remember you telling me about this friend that you just couldn't lose you just couldn't lose she wasn't a believer in you you just she was such a good friend you couldn't lose and she she said to me she goes Oh, that's kind of a bad story. We had a falling out a couple of years ago. And, you know, I, I saw her downtown in Santa Barbara, and she wouldn't even look at me. She walked walk right past me. She saw me, and then she walked right past me without saying a word. And it dawned on me at that point as a college student. I go, you know what? There's nothing worth Jesus. 
There's no friend. There's no pile of money. There's no occupation. There's no situation in life that's worth the price of Jesus to be in relationship with him. This morning for us, it's a warning. For others, it's not just a warning. It's an identification of the idolatry in our life, and we need to let go of it and follow after Christ. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who willingly spoke to this young man, told him the truth. He also uh, clearly spoke to his disciples, and we hear the message this morning that it's impossible that we would come to know you in our own doing, in our own strength. But with you, all things are possible. Thank you for the gift of grace. Uh, Draw some to yourself even this morning as we share this time. May your spirit do your work. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love to talk to any of you who are struggling with these things after. Um, Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed.